Hi, I'm Christina Dennis, and you are listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a recovered life discussion all about setting healthy boundaries and how codependency could be keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now let's jump into the discussion. So hi, I'm Christina Dennis. I am a recovery coach who specializes in breaking codependent patterns. And you are in the recovered life discussion, setting healthy boundaries. So I really appreciate you coming. And I thought today, um, first I'll just put it out there. If anybody wants to help me mod, my co-mod is not able to make it today. And so if anybody's in a position where they would come up and just hold the green badge uh, mod button in case things get a little hairy, which doesn't appear that they will, you are invited. Um, And that is awesome because... I am always worried that I'm going to break down a room. Thank you so much, Lacey. I will not make it too tough on you, but I absolutely appreciate it. Anyway, I thought today we would talk about the name of the room. Um, And before I get um, started, I always like to let everybody know that this is on replays and we do rebroadcast it and I don't want anybody uh, feeling like they're sharing something they wouldn't want to be on the replay. So, you know, for sure have your your best boundaries set for you. Um, And also, if you come up to speak, please use respectful language and refer to, you know, people with their first name only. It doesn't bother me. Um, I recover out loud and uh, am on quite a few podcasts with our own Recovered Life podcast. And so, my first and last name are out there already, um, but of course I know I can keep certain boundaries around what I share. So I just wanted to point that out because the name of our room is Setting Healthy Boundaries. And one of the most important facets of my life, both in my recovery coaching and just my personal life, was my recovering my codependency habits. And so uh, I picked the name of the room over a year ago, Setting Healthy Boundaries, because I felt like that really made an impact onto what what is the, the thing that gets us started to look at our codependency and what gets violated the most. And it's our uh, inability to set better boundaries because we've never been taught that it's okay. And it is, you know, the world's reaction. There is so much codependency out there that it's very hard to distinguish what is healthy relationships and what is not healthy. And so true love can kind of seem like this overwhelming, the way it's depicted in in our you know, arts and on our movies and, you know, within our parents is this kind of like we all uh, have enmeshment with our partners and it's about this true all-encompassing love, even with friendships. And I uh, love discussing boundaries because of that. And I thought we would review the seven types of boundaries that they are And I would just give a little bit of a description for each set because when I first started investigating boundaries, I had no idea that there were actually seven types of boundaries. You know, I had never thought of it. Boundaries um, are something that, that we often don't, you know, show up in our adulthood or through our addiction thinking about. You know, we, we don't think about the fact that we need better boundaries around people until uh, we kind of walk through that addiction phase first to, you know, if it's chemicals or food and we start seeing, ah, there are a lot of pain points within my relationship and within my life. And I can honestly say that I've never heard anything about 
how to set proper boundaries until, you know, um, I started seeking it. And I have to say the other day I was on TikTok. I love TikTok. I love hanging out in it. I've started doing some videos. I started practicing and putting some stuff out there and putting myself out there. And there was this, you know, TikTok that came, I'm sure it has to do with the algorithm. And it was this big burly man, you know, with a baseball cap backwards and a beard. And he said, um, you know, phrases I use, phrases I taught my daughter uh, to use on how to set boundaries. And it was amazing. You know, it was amazing what this father shared, you know, no means no, but he went into it. It's not okay for you to do this. I'm going to leave now. I am uncomfortable. You are not allowed to do this. And I thought, wow, I really love, uh, loved that TikTok. And, and, you know, I, I didn't used to see this. I don't know if anybody else saw it, but I didn't grow up in a family that said, this is how you step out of an uncomfortable situation. And so I love the idea of just pulling back after, you know, we've been doing this room for over a year and talk about what the seven types of boundaries are. Because if you are like me, you may not have even realized that you could have boundaries around these things. And so the first type of boundary is physical. And I think this one we kind of understand, but you know, we still get mixed messages as we are raised in these uh, dysfunctional homes where it's physical, touch is what it refers to. It's who, what, where, and when somebody is allowed to touch us. And I think it's becoming more normalized that parents don't insist that their children hug strangers or tell strangers they love you. But I remember um, and, and have heard enough stories in the last 25 years of where we don't um, pay attention to our children's boundaries. And, um, you know, parents will say, oh, give so-and-so a lovely kiss or tell them that you love them. And I've noticed recently, you know, that for the sake of being polite, um, sometimes we will go ahead and let somebody hug us or touch us, and we don't necessarily want them to do that. But I do think that that boundary is pretty easy to um, understand. Property boundaries is the second type of boundaries, and that's that's fairly understandable too. This, these are the boundaries we have around our physical stuff. Um, and then we go into a whopper boundary um, called sexual boundaries, right? And that refers to a lot more than just the sexual act. Um, it's very easy to see, okay, I have some boundaries on what I want to do, who I want to do it with, when I want to do it. But it is also, we also deserve to have boundaries around the sexual information about ourselves that we want to share. Um, the language around sex. We can have boundaries around the language around sex. And I think that's really fascinating to pull apart and see how we can have our own power. Um, I remember watching a really popular uh, Sons of Anarchy series and the language was very crass around anatomy. And I, and I can I considerously say that at first I was cringing and by the time I had watched the whole series I was even using that word and I thought wow it's so easy to see your boundaries kind of dissolve you know jokes that are funny we get to decide what we think about sexual jokes or jokes around sex whether they are funny and I think that that's a really like we could have an entire show around sexual boundaries and in fact we we have in many of my rooms when we talk about co-sex addiction and the and the role that sex plays um, within relationships so that's something for everybody I hope to think about emotional relational boundaries now this is the big one for me and what those boundaries have to do is how, how I want to feel, those boundaries around how I want to feel and how others want to feel. Um, they also are 
are uh, a way to demonstrate respect for our own personhood and the other's personhood. Um, this has to do with how we care for others and letting them have their own emotional response. Whew. And those of you who've been in this room many times or are familiar with codependency recovery, that is a difficult one for me and it was for many years because I felt like if I could be responsible for your emotional response, or I really thought I had to be, then that was the only way I could keep myself safe was to make you happy. Um, the number that like to really think about setting your own boundaries around it, um, it looks like not taking responsibility for others' emotions. And you know, I'd love for people to come up and share um, uh, I, I mean, we can stop at every one of these and talk about them or if you have experiences around them because we're kind of getting into some of the ones that I think um, we don't necessarily know that we have permission to set boundaries around these things. So I'd love for feedback. That's um, just raise your hand and uh, Lacey or myself will bring you up. And in the meantime, I'm going to talk about the last three boundaries. So, so far, just to recap, we've had physical boundaries, property boundaries, sexual boundaries, and emotional slash relational boundaries. Um, intellectual boundaries. This is a very interesting thought. And, and I think that before I studied the art of boundaries and setting healthy boundaries, I think I thought intellectual and emotional were the same. And they explained um, in this one book that I've read, and maybe I can put it in the chat, called Unfuck Your Boundaries, um, this very, you know, schooled and, and uh, PhD therapist talks a lot about the differences between boundaries. And if you are interested, they have a really affordable workbook, too, if you want to peel back and spend some time working on your boundaries. That's a great resource for you to start. Um, intellectual boundaries are around ideas, thoughts, beliefs, our ideas, thoughts, and beliefs, and how they are respected. They also pertain to access to information and opportunities to learn. They're separate from emotional boundaries because in, someone can in, respect your intellect and still treat you very badly. And I thought that was really interesting to think about, like, I know a lot of people, um, not personally, but, you know, seeing like, wow, that person is incredibly smart, somebody who's in, maybe in the zeitgeist, but I really don't care for who they are emotionally. And that certainly has been the case with some of our greatest technology um, for me to see, oh, wow, they are very, very bright. They are very smart. I totally respect their intellect, but... Ah, I don't know if I can, you know, if I'm going to gel with who they are emotionally. Spiritual boundaries. I think that's something that we get to deal with on a daily basis. That's maybe more in our toolkit. And spiritual boundaries have to do with um, all about our beliefs and how we practice spirituality and how we choose to share that belief. It's different from intellectual beliefs because spirituality is about our human experience um, and our purpose uh, to belong. You know, it also is about ourselves in relation to something that is bigger than just other people. And then the last kind of accepted boundary is time boundaries. And I think that one is, um, you know, something that I often work with somebody starting. And this was definitely one of the beginning places for me to start setting healthy boundaries was having an idea and scheduling my week with time to rest and having the habit of I say, let me check my schedule instead of yes. Like I have a little built-in gatekeeper that allows me to think about, you know, take the time so that my little codependent self that wants to jump at the opportunity, and I mean it, even if I know for sure I will be there and I want to be there, I still give myself 24 hours before I accept an invitation. 
If you are newly sober, trying to get sober, or you've been sober for decades and are looking to take your sobriety to the next level, the Recovery Breakthrough six-week transformation concierge coaching program might be right for you. Have Damon Frank and Christina Dennis build a custom roadmap to get you on the path to getting what you really need. Receive hands-on concierge coaching and stay focused and productive with our daily check-ins. If you're ready to experience your recovery breakthrough and start the journey towards the transformation you deserve, book a free get-to-know-you call today and find out what is possible in your recovery. To find out more about Recovery Breakthrough and to book your free call, go to recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Now, that's a practice of mine, and it felt really, really uncomfortable because I grew up in a home where boundaries weren't safe to have. They were annihilated. And in order for me to feel like I had some kind of safety or that I could fit in, I learned to not think about my boundaries, and that taught me a certain style of relationship that wasn't healthy and it didn't allow me to be seen. And so I would love to, at this point, and Lacey, you were so kind to come up and co-mod, but just to open up the room to see how people feel about either the information or how they're doing with setting their own boundaries. Um, while we're waiting for someone to come up, I can ask you a Please. question because something Came to, came to mind for me as you were speaking through this. And especially as you opened the conversation, I thought, what about, and I even wrote this down, like boundaries with myself, because that's something that I'm still like in terms of not overextending, you know, unprompted, unsolicited, but I find that I overextend and then I get into a real danger zone with myself, energy wise, emotion wise, everything. So in terms of figuring out healthy boundaries within yourself that have nothing to do with anyone else. Do you have any tips yes. or thoughts? On yes, that? yes, yes. First of all, recognizing that you are overwhelmed is amazing. And I think it's important for you to kind of see, oh my gosh, I, I finally figured out the source. Because at least for me, I didn't realize that it was a personal, that it was my lack of boundaries for with myself until a few years in. And so I'm really happy to hear you say, I recognize this is something with me, that this is unsolicited. And I think that there's multiple ways that you can address it. First of all, instilling that little habit of training your brain to say, let me check before yes. Um, the way that that started working for me is that I really started setting the standard for myself of, of honesty. And I started practicing with people um, that I knew, you know, and that I knew would give me the right reaction. And it looks something like, I realize I've overextended myself. Even if it was in the moment, I would say to somebody, I realize I've overextended myself. And um, I need to just tell on myself and tell you that I've done it. And I'm struggling with how I feel right now. And um, I may need to leave. Sounds completely mortifying but it's so important to practice with people we love. And then, you know, to be able to forgive ourselves when we do it again and again, because at least in my experience, we are reversing a lifetime of programming that tells us that in order to be valuable and lovable, and, I'll, and you know, I'll rephrase that in, into my own experience because I don't want to speak for everyone, but this is problematic for many people that I could be of value was to be of service and be everything that you needed or wanted me to be. <clears throat> that was the way that I ensured that I had value. But of course it was lose-lose because I didn't have a sense of self and I would become resentful and angry about these behaviors that I chose. 
Um, once I became aware of it, like what you just shared about realizing that, that I was at least part of the problem, then it got easier for me to start practicing daily habits of scheduling time for myself, you know, every single day, uh, which is very pragmatic and it's something that we can do. We schedule, you know, a 30 minute uh, nervous system break is what I would call it. It's about embodying your nervous system and seeing how you are, a temperature check every day, uh, you know, a lot of recovery tools kind of um, are the resource and that's how we get started when we start journaling, we start meditating, we start taking quiet time, we start realizing our nervous system is way too overwhelmed. And, and so uh, it's important to be gentle, to practice with gentle people, to be proactive in scheduling time for yourself, and to eventually start seeking the source of these belief systems. And it's so important to have, um, I think probably the most important thing is to have a group of people around you that are doing the same, that are practicing and working toward this kind of life. And that way you can go to them because um, most of the world is set up in a dominator model. Most of the world um, isn't set up for us to have boundaries. And, you know, there's a lot of movement in the last, I don't know, 10 years where people have seen attachment styles and there's been an awareness. But to take that to our own self it takes a little bit of, I mean, it takes a plan as much as we plan to get sober. And uh, thank you for asking that question. Did that help, Lacey? It did. It did. And uh, so grateful to be in this room and around all of you because I really, this is a sector that's so new to me. And especially the internal boundaries, you know, the boundaries that are just me. It's just mm -hmm. me. I'm still learning what that is. I would be remiss if I didn't say on my um, website, ChristinaDennis.com, <clears throat> I have a free program. Um, I just put it together. It's in beta stage, but it's totally live, completely free. And it has so much good information that talks about codependency recovery. Um, there's a short quiz to see how the symptoms are showing up in your life, you know. Um, and then there's, you know, I don't know, lots of content about how you get started um, with daily check-ins and taking care of your nervous system and your heart and exploring past relationships and old belief systems. And I spent over two years kind of figuring it out from listening to people uh, to put that out there because I want everybody to have access to it. So um, I want you, you to just look up christinadennis.com and you will find it or just dm me and i'll send you the i was going to say can you pin that <laughs> yeah yeah i sure can let me all right let's go to kim and then i'll try to do it while um kim is talking hi kim thanks for coming up hi christina thanks for the invitation lacy um would you be able to share with us if you are not good holding your boundaries if you've gone through a 12-step program, if you've done your counseling, if you have your peer support and it's not working, what am I doing wrong? Can you share that with us? Well, um, I don't know what you're doing wrong. Uh, I, have, I, I wouldn't be able to, to say that. I think that, that the one thing that needs to be understood when we start working on this stuff is that it's a process and it takes some time. And it takes, uh, you know, I mean, I have shared stories from this platform about how uh, 18 years into my codependency recovery, I all of a sudden had this new perspective of how uh, much, uh, how much enmeshment I had with my son, my special needs son, and how I was harming him because I, I couldn't let go of um, being there to prepare the path for him. He's a nonverbal ASD kid and he really, really struggled. And so I don't think that 
<clears throat> any of this is overnight or even as quickly. It's one of the most frustrating things about recovering from codependency. You know, I will share, I've been in, in recovery for 25 years. The only thing that I've ever done 100% correctly at this point, and I say that in all sincerity, is not pick up alcohol. Everything else has been messy and hard and I've messed up. And, you know, for me, one of the pain points that happened when I kept making those mistakes was I had to learn how to quickly clean them up and call somebody up and say, I slipped and I'm sorry. This is what I shouldn't have done. Not in a self-punishing way, but in, you know, especially around those relationships that we can trust and uh, bringing people in on it uh, was also very helpful for me to keep my own boundaries and accountability. Bringing people in and saying, dear friend, you've known me for a long time and this is a self-defeating behavior that I have deep in my bones. If you see me doing this, I'm going to give you permission to please gently point out to me that I have crossed the line again. And uh, I'm also going to tell you and practice with you. And um, I have friends now that whenever I overextend myself, I feel like I can always do everything in the future, right? You know, and I plan a lunch with somebody next week, a good intention in my heart to be there. I'm pretty sure I can be there. Or sometimes I begrudgingly do it because it's just easier and I don't have the energy to say no. Now I have people in my life because of the great sorting process, you know, the ones that aren't interested in a healthy Christina have left a long time ago, where I reach out and say, I overextended myself. Oops, I did it again. And they say, good for you. Take the rest. Take care of you. And um, it's just, it's just a, a longer process by, any, by all means than recovering from a physical addiction. I think one of the hardest detoxes I ever had was in double-ditch sobriety and recovery from codependency when I walked away from a love addiction. And that was six years ago. And, and we just um, ultimately have to be incredibly gentle with ourselves and keep plodding along. Hi, Chelsea. Hello. How are you this beautiful day? I'm okay. I have, um, I've not like been outside yet today and I can see from my window. It's kind of sunny. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, like I, I really like this discussion. Um, my boundaries, I'm just thinking of like, um, kind of through the years without knowing fully the codependency kind of stuff, like through the years with like my AA recovery, you know, there's definitely been stuff that's focused on, um, you know, like setting up these boundaries. Um, and I can tell like through the years, I've gotten a little better at like saying no, um, you know, and um, especially with commitments, commitments are very hard for me, especially like if it's involving um, anything to be involving like AA, um, or like recovery or helping people. Like, um, I just like say yes, 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 yes. Um, and I've learned to kind of say, I can't commit to that like right now, um, in, in recovery scenarios. Um, but there's still like, there's still like certain people that like, I'm learning to say no to that. I definitely need to work on, um, saying no to, and not even just saying no to, but like stop offering the help, <laughs> like to stop like pushing, um, the help on. And it's, it's just this one person and I'm working on it and like, but like, it's funny. Cause I was thinking, um, you know, like when I brought up, with my sponsor, like my codependency issues, like her answer is always to like bring my higher power into it. And like, yes, like I am, 
you know? Um, and I'm just like maybe realizing like, I can't really, 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 really tackle all these issues with just my AA program. Like there's other, you know, there's all these other resources out there and like, um, you know, which I wouldn't have known had I not been on this app and met Christina and heard all these beautiful things. Um, but like, I, um, I think what started in my mind, what has helped me, um, was this inventory that, that, that I did for like my ideals, but they were written like for me, like how I want to show up, um, like as a person. And it's really, really been messing with my brain ever since. Like, and like, I get like why it's necessary, but like what's point it's pointing out that, that like, especially like that one person I can't say no to, like does not align with these things that I'm trying to align with, that I'm expecting other people to align with if I want them in my life. And like, um, but it was really, really a good exercise like to write down. And it literally just started, like I started writing, like ideally I want to be the person that I want to be with. And then I wrote like, you know, like I want to show up with um, God more often than not. I want to be honest. And then from those like statements, I like wrote a little list of like ideals. Um, and, but like, that was like a few weeks ago, maybe like a month ago or so. And like now I'm like, I don't know. I'm still like entangled in this like situation that I like shouldn't be entangled in. But like, I'm trying to also kind of give myself grace and like, um, you know, these like, they're, there's just like these hard intertwined things that are just like hard to untangle. Like literally what it feels like is like those toys. Um, I like, I used to work in a learning store. They had these toys that you would like, it had a little cup and a handle and a string. And the, on the end of the string was a ball. And like, you would like flip them up to like catch into the thing. But like all of those toys would get tangled. And like, it was my favorite thing to like sit there and like untangle them. And like, that's what it like feels like with um these like codependency like little things that seem to crop up and like the um boundaries and like this and that it's like um you know each little thing that i learn um that i like take the suggestion on and then and then stick with it uh, like where where it comes to boundaries because i can put up the boundaries but like sticking with it is like my big 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 issue um, but like each time I do, I gain a little bit more confidence and it all gets untangled and like eventually I'll be able to untangle them all. Um, but yeah, I've rambled, but I just, um, I just appreciate this conversation and I appreciate you. So thank you. Well, Chelsea, I wouldn't say that you rambled at all. I think that that was a beautiful example of how we begin to recover from codependency and, you know, I'll say it till probably the day I'm gone. Uh, my time here is done is you know it starts with learning about ourselves it starts with learning what we love and what we want and it takes extreme courage and honesty to really get down to um you know what we're a really doing and b where did it come from and I agree with you and so applaud you that the way that you're doing this is through gentleness. Um, it, because the black and white thinking cannot and will not ever apply to this part of our life. You know, for me, uh, every time I exchanged one relationship for another, and I'm talking about romantic, it got a little bit better. I got I got more information about what worked and it went from you know, uh, controlling, abusive, narcissistic person to uh, self-absorbed and, and, and wanting to stay in, in what made them feel safe. And, um, and, I, and I did get better. And what's interesting, I think this is, it's kind of, um, I don't know, very interesting that has, it has happened in my life and someone told me it would. Eventually, 
as I continued to reinforce my boundaries with myself and with people that were safe, a lot less of the other kind of people, the one that are committed to, you know, self-destruction, um, they stopped coming around a lot less. Like I would learn a spiritual lesson that, you know, this person was brought in my, into my life to help me learn. And once I was done with it, eventually less and less people came for me to learn the lesson. And so I tried to always look at my history in the past as um, not, not, you know, bad or wrong or, or you know, uh, making bad choices. Uh, I tried to, to be kind to myself and say, you know, every single relationship was successful because I learned from it and I did something from it and I learned a little more piece, uh, uh, one more piece about myself and, you know, I can be really, really grateful to these partners for showing me that I had this area and this need to grow. And uh, now a lot of the time, not all of the time, a lot of the time I belong to myself and I don't need other people to, uh, you know, uh, validate me. Um, but it's still there sometimes. I mean, these are belief systems that happen very early on and it takes time to kind of, like you said, untangle them. So I really appreciate you coming and sharing and uh, just admire uh, your commitment to continuing to recover. It's really a beautiful sight. And I know uh, we have Laura next, um, and I love Coach Laura's information. She's a brilliant woman. She's shared here before, so thank you for coming. But real quick, before um, I go to you, I just want to reset the room. So if you want to come up and share something, we're talking about boundaries today. Uh, we're talking about the ones that we struggle with and our own experience. And if you have questions or just want to share, um, we can and do recover together, as my good friend Brian says. And uh, you're welcome to come up. Um, all right, Laura, how are you today? So happy to see you. Oh, thank you, Christina. And I definitely appreciate all the beautiful rooms um, that you create here on Clubhouse. So educational um, to many, to all of us. And, you know, just um, talking about setting healthy boundaries, you know, for me as a survivor to thriver of narcissistic abuse, you know, sexually abused as a child, grew up in domestic violence, and then um, married into domestic violence and endured much, much, much pain for many, many years. You know, um, there's a lot of great... Um, gems that you guys all dropped and it kind of just like it's, it takes it takes all of it just to like when it comes to um creating um healthy boundaries and things like that and for me you know i just left a room um before i hopped into this one and it's about self-discipline and you know that's what it was um, um for me um to begin my journey um in from my past and being in a relationship that was so toxic for me. That was, you know, just taking a moment of self-reflection. Stop denying my reality of what was taking place because oftentimes when you're in these narcissistic relationships, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly being gaslighted, manipulated, um, controlled, conditioned. And, you know, we're denying our, our reality of what's really taking place. You know, we're, we're suffering those cognitive dissonance and things like that. So it's just doing like a, a self-awareness check, you know, and, and just asking, um, you know, yourself, you know, is when you're, when you're going through um, this journey, you know, um, and being in these toxic relationships, you know, connecting with yourself, you know, are you feeling, um, when, when you're going through something, does something feel off, you know, take a moment to pause and, and connect with your, your intuition 
um, stop saying yes. You know, a lot of times, you know, when people are in toxic relationships or you're being trauma bonded and stuff like that, you know, we, you have a tendency of always putting the narcissistic person, their needs before yourself. Um, you know, so, you know, stop minimizing your feelings and, and, you know, what you're going through, um, ask yourself questions, you know, are you growing in this relationship? Are you struggling? Are you happy? You know, um, or, you know, are you happy being single if you left the relationship, you know, and then just checking in with yourself, you know, how's your mental health? Are you feeling great and in control or are you feeling a mess? You know, um, and these are just, you know, um, some of the things that I, I love to, um, just educate and strategies, you know, to give to the clients that I work with, because there are things that I had to, you know, go through in my own journey. Um, and then just, you know, after that is just feeling good about yourself, you know, going through the emotions, um, as well, but then just, you know, ending off <laughs> with words of affirmation and, and hopefully you sticking strong to your boundaries, um, and setting boundaries, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, when you're in these relationships, your, your self, self-esteem goes down, you know, and, um, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of stuff that, that a lot of people, um, can go through. So it's, it's all about, um, staying strong to your boundaries, um, setting them. And again, not just for the, the individual, but also for yourself, you know, doing a self-reflection check and in, in how you're doing. So thank you for allowing me to speak a little bit, Christina. I appreciate your rooms. Thank you. And, you know, I'm really glad that you, Thank you for sharing your personal story and discussing it because I think it's, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the dangers of codependency. Uh, often those of us in recovery, we understand the dangers of drinking alcoholically and we definitely know that it saves our life, but we, we don't always think about the fact that our codependency is killing us and um, and for sure there are abusive scary relationships out there and everything that you shared absolutely needs to be addressed um, and so uh, when we talk about um, on how to set healthy boundaries and I kind of think these are like luxury conversations where we can talk about you know really having a difference and you know knowing where we end and somebody begins but sharing about that really ugly side and the scary side and it's um, I think you bring up so many good points about self-esteem and uh, cognitive dissonance and the ugly side of gaslighting and it is true. I mean, if there was anything that I would say to anybody in the room who's, uh, who's in that kind of situation, it would be get help. Get help from somebody um, and start talking about it and start sharing it. Um, you may not be able to be in a position to hire a coach or, uh, you know, even be in, a, in some of the rooms because your life is in danger or your spirit is in danger but there are so many resources out there um, that are not you know paid for resources and it's so important for us to take it really seriously uh, and and to know that um, that our lives are in danger when we continue to either stay in these abusive relationships or continue to operate at a level that is physically killing us. You know, in one of the kind of mainstay uh, recovery textbook for codependency, you know, Codependent No More, uh, Melody Beatty explains all of her physical ailments uh, that had her flat on a couch not operating at a level of, you know, enjoying her life. And she had already, you know, had some several years of sobriety. This, um, where she got to physically was all about her um, relationship. And so I thank you very much for bringing that up and sharing it. And I love the work that you're doing. 
Um, I, I guess, because we still have a few minutes left, I would want to open it up if you have anything that um, you want to ask a question about and you don't feel like doing it publicly, DM me. Um, DM me. I want to give everybody a chance um, to know the resources that are out there. Uh, again, on my uh, link uh, that Lacey posted, thank you. You can get a more understanding of what recovering from codependency is and how important it is that we put our efforts toward it. I would say that, um, that in my case, I treated my codependency with alcoholism and um, it's act acting out sexually and, you know, food addiction and compulsive debting. And it all really came down to this, um, this basis of all my relationships being handled in codependent way. And that might sound drastic, but it truly ended up being my story. And when I got physically sober from alcohol, uh, I was introduced to codependency recovery, and I would not have maintained my sobriety if I had not started working on this. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, we will be back, I believe, next week. Uh, Damon is off, so the room will not be happening tomorrow, the unstuck room, uh, as far as I am aware. But I do hope you'll join the club. You'll follow uh, uh, me and you'll come back um, because recovery is possible and it's there is a beautiful life out there for all of us so hit up my link to learn a little more about it uh, and my free program that'll give you a really good basic foundation to what we've been talking about recovering from you know having a lack of boundaries and really learning how to love ourselves and with that you know Lacey do you have any final words I just want to say thank you. Um, every time I'm in a space with you, I always am kind of re-reminded that you have this beautiful foundation and all this knowledge on this topic that I, I don't have. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really grateful. Oh, I appreciate that. And thank you to everyone who was in the room. Uh, it doesn't, it seems like our time is up. And I just want to tell you, I know your time is really, really valuable. So, um, Keep taking care of yourself, keep showing up and keep learning and uh, you you will see the benefits of it. I am living proof and many, many people in this room are already, you know, have shared their stories with us and, and seen how they've saved their own lives. All right, with that, those on the stage, will you unmic and say goodbye with me? Hey, Christina. I th yeah, hon. I think we have one question in the chat. Oh, okay. See, I'm not so good at this. How do you become more aware of your habits? of being codependent. Oh, such a good question. Thank you. The question is, how do you become more aware of your habits of being codependent? Well, um, on my website, there's a really good uh, set of information in that introductory program that will show you uh, some of the things that, that explain what codependency is. Um, the actual term was absolutely um, developed by AA as a way to refer to the partners of people who were addicted to substances. Um, and what they noticed was there was a pattern for the partner to be incredibly invested in that person, either getting well or staying sick. There was a dependence, an unhealthy dependence. And it's grown since then. It's certainly coming into the zeitgeist. You know, people are talking about it. Um, and so there's a lot of, of real good information out there to test and check your behaviors. The, the behavior pattern that uh, definition that I love is focusing on someone else's needs before our own. The long answer is an excessive dependence on another person's approval and for you, for you, for your sense of identity. And so if you're putting somebody's needs ahead of your own, if you're a not getting your needs met, not getting that kind of connection, not feeling seen, then you need to go a little bit further and check out your behaviors. And there's a lot of really good information, like I said, on my website that's completely free. So please check it out. And uh, thank you, Lacey, for pointing out there was a question. 
I wish I had a clearer answer, but if I guess probably the best way to think about it is, is, is if you suspect that you have codependency. And remember, codependency is a spectrum, right? If you suspect that you have some or that you just need to check your boundaries and look a little further into your relationships, chances are you're right. You're right. So thank you, everybody. And I guess now, oh, yeah, take my free quiz is such a good um, yes, I'm so bad at doing this part, but please take my free quiz, which is at the top of the webpage, and that will tell you if you know that you are uh, suffering from codependency. All right. One more, one more question in the chat as well. But I, I, love, I love that you're providing free resources. Thank you yes, for that, uh, especially course. right now, post-pandemic. You know, it's a good, it's a good thing. I don't, oh, recommend, please recommend a book that I think you said. Is that the one? Yep, you got it. Oh, yes. Well, uh, of course, you know, I, I have looked at a lot of books and uh, really, um, really the information that's on my website is a really good resource to start seeing it and seeing where it came from. In addition to that, there are, we call them the melodies. Melody Beatty, which is the one that I just discussed, uh, Codependent No More, but also Pia Melody is also a really, really good resource. And she has a book called Facing Love Addiction. Um, and I think that both of those are really great places to start, especially if you are in and interested in recovery, the recovery world, which is huge, you know. <laughs> If you've just dipped your toe into it, I am so excited for you because there are so many good places to go. But I would start with those two. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.